0: somebody like to pray uh, just to pray it's
1: good oh, Amen. Mm-hmm. okay go ahead go uh, ahead
2: Father we come before you through the through our Lord Jesus Christ Father we thank and praise you for this time to gather together and to hear the words that you have for us tonight mm-hmm. We ask that you would strengthen and encourage our brother Bernard, Amen. who's Amen. probably busy today, mm-hmm. and um, mm. help us all to hear and receive all that you have for us, mm. Lord. We ask.
0: Mm.
2: Just take these things to our hearts and oh God. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you and praise you for this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. All right, Bernard. You can unmute if you please. Yes. And, yeah. Over to
0: you. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. I've received a couple of emails of some who can't make it tonight. And um, So they just send greetings and love. Folk like Ray and Jenny Munro and others just sending love. You know, <clears throat> something that struck me very powerfully over this weekend of meetings that we've been having. Is the realisation that when uh, when the Lord Jesus speaks to us a personal word, he really is conveying himself to us. You know how sometimes we are in kind of lecture mode. Um, we're in that sort of mode where we're just getting information uh you know we're, we're just being taught some kind of thing or other uh, some subject that we're interested in and we we kind of receive it as data with our little notebooks and uh, jot it down and for future reference maybe um but just the realization that when the lord jesus speaks to us He's conveying himself to us. Which of course is why there are some things that you hear, some words that you hear that are so mighty in your life because they're so uh, him. It's him speaking. In the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and the same was in the beginning with god and you know and then the, the word became flesh and spoke and was conveying and giving himself and you know it's this matter of being very personal i'd like to sort of just muse with you about actually for an hour or so um to encourage you to, especially with the psalms, uh, there's so many of the psalms are intensely personal. They are the, the, uh, uh, a person, often David, but not always, talking to God personally and exposing themselves personally and embracing truth about the Lord personally. So taking some, what could be called general truth, something they knew, something they'd been taught and they are taking that and embracing it personally and i want to encourage you to come to some of the psalms especially the personal ones yeah, there are teaching psalms you know obviously the the general theme of the psalms uh, is blessed is the man you know two kinds of men What the psalms is all about two kinds of men psalm one blessed is the man who walks not and then uh, he shall be like a tree and then the ungodly are not so that's psalm one and of course that more or less encapsulates the the whole flow of the psalms the 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 man who walks in the counsel of god and the man who does not simple and so you go through the the psalms like that and but there's many of the psalms that have the me and the i in them and if you were to turn to psalm 27 and uh, rec- read it it's it's one of david's psalms,
1: and um the Lord is my light and my salvation. And as you work your
0: way through, I wonder how personal, uh, how naked and open you, you are with the Lord yourself as an individual before God and confessing, uh, reaffirming truth about, yes, yes, he really is my light. So not just reading it as something that is just, well, this is the truth. Yeah, we know he's the light. Uh, we know that he's salvation. You know, uh, we know... You know he's the strength of my life but but emphasizing the my the lord is my light it's a way of edifying your soul yes yes lord you are my light and you are my salvation you are, you can lay the stress, um, you know, on the different words. I think this is part of the art of meditation. You know, one of the things that we have got to learn to do more is to go into your inner room. Uh, you, you have to learn to do that. We all do more and more so and it's not you, you remember how the lord jesus in the sixth chapter um, of matthew you know that sermon um, on the mount as it's called and he talks to them and he, he says and it's part of the life of the kingdom you know the sermon on the mount is it's all about the kingdom isn't it it's all about the father have you ever noticed as you read those three chapters that he constantly refers to god as father 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 must have been remarkable to hear them to hear for those to hear jesus talk like that and you know it's it's very personal itself. When you fast, when you pray, uh, when you and you and you and the the whole emphasis and it, it's all about life in the kingdom, blessed. It. it starts this way, doesn't it? You know those. Those things they call the Beatitudes. And, you know, the first of them is blessed are the poor in spirit. And they theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remarkable. But you know that in the sixth, you get this word, don't you? Um, where he, he's talking about prayer.
1: And he says, um, when you pray, when you pray, verse
0: 5, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward.
1: But you, when you pray, when you pray, go into your room. Go into your room. And
0: when you've shut your door, you know, each of these little uh, words, you know, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into your room. And that's an interesting word, room. Uh, I, I just said, I think, inner room, didn't I, a little bit earlier? Go into your inner room. You know, so much of our life is outer, so much of our church is outer. Um, I mean, even at this conference over this weekend, I'm re- I, I, I'm aware how you know so much can remain in the outer, and you you can recall one of the problems in the churches of today is that of course we're still very stuck in old covenant talk, old covenant thought old testament ideas you know i will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart old testament uh, i will enter his courts you know the the musicians are taught a method um, you may not know this but they are they're taught in their seminars to essentially manipulate you by the kind of songs that are introduced to get everybody moving in to the courts with praise and then to mellow the songs down as though you're getting into the holy place you know the place in the tabernacle and you're you are taught to mellow things down a bit and quieten it down and then at last get to something very reverential and worshipful and at last the song is leading you into the holy of holies. So it's all from the outside in, outside in. This is not the new covenant way. Um, this is not the right way for preachers to behave either you know how some preachers operate in a similar methodology they at last get to their point you know toward the end they they butter you up with some stories and try and grab the attention with some topical statement and so on but the real minister comes from the inside out from the, the real musician comes from the inside out. A man of the inner room, uh, a woman of the inner room, uh, a person of personal relationship with the Lord that's deepening all the time. It's a wonderful thing. And Jesus says, you know, about this, this, go into your inner room, go into your room. And the word he uses, it's a very interesting word. I've been thinking about this a good deal. Checked up on the word that Jesus uses, it's very rare. In fact, I think in the New Testament, it only comes twice. And the other occasion is when um, that foolish man who'd had very good harvests the, in the story that jesus told i will build my storehouses, and i will store up all my stuff and i will say to my soul you know <laughs> uh, just relax now you got it all and that's the the actual word that is jesus uses go into your store room go into your innermost room and you know <clears throat> of course i don't think that primarily that the lord jesus is talking about some place in your house because i'm not so sure that many of the houses in those days would have had store rooms, but he's using a figure. Um, he's using a figure. I've been very conscious, um, the more so as I've gone along, and I hope that you are, that y- you, you have treasure in your field, you, that you yourself are the field that the Lord Jesus has bought you are i am and that it is a wonderful thing when you discover the place of the treasure that's in you that there's like a a, a, a place in you of course in which the the indwelling person of christ has taken up his place where god is and all this is by the spirit and for you to learn to begin to go into that inner room in your own silent places in the deeps of your heart and to have that fellowship with god it's a store room where there's a wonderful um, fund of treasure out of which you know we the indwelling spirit such a treasure you know such a treasure you the temple of the holy ghost and you have this treasure in your inner man and some of us well we err in not being those who are people of the inner room and you notice how the lord jesus he doesn't only say go into the inner place that's but he, he says when you pray go into your room and when you shut your door and there is this necessary um, thing that the shutting out of of other things the I know that we experience um, deflecting things and distracting things but I believe that one of the great needs of our hearts is to realize that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world and that we err in not knowing, as we should, just how much he is in us. Greater is he who is in you. And to begin to be thoroughly personal. And you know how the Lord Jesus then speaks. You know, um, you pray, you shut your door when you have shut your door pray to your father who's in secret pray to your father who's in the inner room who's in the innermost place it is from this place you know that all true ministry flows some of you know that I had the privilege of ministering with an older brother a lot back in the 70s and 80s. We were co-elders together in a church in the late 70s. And we spent much time together. And there were occasions when we would pray together, perhaps on a conference, and there was no one to talk to in the afternoon maybe seeking help and we had a quiet afternoon and we would sit together in a deep quietness with the lord and together we were able to go into the this inner room and shut the door and we both knew that it is from this deep inner place that the ministry that flows um, if i may mention on wednesday morning i'll just tell you what happened in cork this this wednesday we we had our usual hour-long prayer time just seven eight nine men most of them in men of responsibility in different churches in Ireland and England and Wales. And we just gather for an hour and we wait on God. We go into the inner room together. We don't go to pray about this, that, and the other. We, have, we purposely have no list. And we just let it happen we just go there in the inner room just to be there in the stillness with god and of course as we wait we begin to hear and a scripture was read out from the book of hebrews and it included um, the verses in chapter 10 about um, drawing near not neglecting the assembling of yourselves together, drawing near. And it led, the reading of that scripture, led to a prophetic word, which was very powerful and very clear. And part of that prophetic word said this, tell my people to draw near to me. Tell my people to draw near to me. As though the preachers, because a whole heap of, of those men, I think, I think every one of them's a preacher who teaches and ministers, and tell my people to draw near to me. And then that evening I had a meeting, and uh, I found myself obeying the word of the Lord: tell my people to draw near. And so I expounded. Uh, some things from the book of, Rome, of hebrews on drawing near and it was such a time of blessing the people said uh, such a time of illumination to them but it, it all rose from that hour <laughs> are you understanding in that inner room just eight or nine men waiting on god waiting on god being still hearing him they were in the storeroom in the storeroom where the lord is and this is this is of course a place of profound riches and you know he says pray to your father who's there and of course, one of the things that I have long realized is that, long realized that we are not heard for our many words. It's carrying people before him. It's just being there before him. Uh, perhaps m- mouthing a name, a loved one, someone who's you're burdened about, oh Father. Please help Julie or Lord. We think of Eileen or Lord. We're thinking of Tom. We're thinking of Beth or Church. Lord, Lord, Lord. And it, it's much more not mentioning names and lots about it, but just more being there with the father personally and you and i can all do this and he he really wants us to draw near and some of us are of a measure of spiritual maturity i hope where we can exercise those disciplines shut the door go in to the inner room shut the door quiet in our hearts quiet in our hearts and one of the ways that you can quiet your heart and you mustn't be like the the pagans the heathens you know that think they're heard for their much speaking you know how jesus goes on and talks about it and i must have mentioned to you before how jesus uh, is ever living to intercede by his very being his being there before the father his being there is intercessory his being there he's gone into the presence of the father ever living to intercede for us it doesn't mean that he's praying it does mean that he has our names on his heart. And he's ever there personally. And I know that there's a call going out in the heart of God. He's wanting us to go into our inner room to meet him. And to carry what's in our hearts there to him. And I'll go back to to the seventh 27th of um, psalm now and just to sort of back this up and i'll go to a couple of other psalms but <clears throat> here's what he says um he, he begins as i have said about the fact that lord you are my light and you are my salvation whom shall I fear? He's acknowledging fear. That that should be obvious to you. He wouldn't mention it otherwise. He's acknowledging personally fear, but in the light of the light and salvation that God is. Who really is there to fear? Now, be personal about it. You see, life in the inner room, is a life that leads to perspective. It leads to um, things being in the right order, everything being, life being, well, not distorted. The enemy is the arch distorter. Blowing things up, mountains out of molehills. He's the one who breathes the fear, who magnifies uh, minor things. You know, what's the saying? Majors on minors. And uh, so the heart gets distraught. But to dwell and go into the inner room, personally and you begin immediately there to 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 examine the storehouse the store you have a great savior you the lord is your light the lord is your salvation who the lord is the strength of your life these realities become increasingly Clear, And then you begin to remember that when the enemy, when the wicked came against me, verse 2, to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Now I guarantee that every one of you have experienced something like that. That you were aware that something was coming against you. And uh, because you were being very personal with God, they stumbled and fell. In other words, their opposition came to nothing. Very beautiful. And though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear though war may rise against me in this i will be confident that is that god is my salvation god is my light and then this is the lovely thing that the personal the personal in the inner room really sifts us and we come to the one thing one thing i have desired of the lord you know they're in the inner room you can't put first uh, i want to be a great preacher they're in the the inner room with god you can't put first i want to turn the upside down and build a church i don't want to you know turn the world upside down, change everything, being the greatest thing. You, you can't actually think that way in the inner room. And the one thing that surfaces in the presence of God is the one thing that's in Jesus' heart towards his father. The one thing that the spirit is toward God the one thing that the father is toward the son you know that i may dwell you know the the whole wonderful desire to be together in the house of the lord one thing have i desired of the lord that will i seek that i may dwell you know in the house of the lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the lord now this isn't selfish sanctimonious stuff in the, the life in the inner room these are the realities that come to you the one thing becomes clearer to you the one thing is this you want to behold the beauty of the Lord. You really do. You want to behold him. And, uh, you know, all the days of my life and to inquire in his temple. Inquire in his temple. You know, not, not inquire here, there and everywhere, but a directed life a life that's directed to the centralities of god you see i think that you'll find that uh, i know this would be true in in bible school days that to a degree our lives were directed to toward being pastors being missionaries and there were plenty of opportunities and sales pitches that came from missionary organizations, and so on. But I scarcely remember anyone ever talking about the inner room from which it all flows. Can you recall the uh, 13th chapter of Acts in this regard? Can you remember that chapter? Um, uh, I'll turn you to it because it's worthwhile at this point. Just putting these things in their place. In the 13th chapter. Of the book of Acts. We find that there are certain men. Gathering together in the church. That was at Antioch. There were certain prophets. And teachers. And they weren't prophesying and teaching. At this point. It says their names were barnabas and simeon who was called niger lucius of cyrene manian who had been brought up with herod the tetrarch and saul one two three four five at least there they were and Look at what they were doing. Uh, they weren't busy in ministry, they were before God. I wonder what had drawn them. They were in the inner room, you see. They were in the storehouse together. Uh, that's where they were, prophets and teachers so the teachers weren't aloof and saying it's up to us now neither were the prophets aloof but there's the five of them together and they ministered to the lord and fasted and those of you who are leaders in churches if you could if you could just get two men three men especially the men the ladies will do it much more willingly but it's the men that are needed in our day you surely realize that the world is a dangerous place for men nowadays in these days of the 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 castration of the male that is taking place in the political scene in the in the university scene in the it, it, did you know, realize that that's what's happening uh, feminism r- run rampant transsexualism the destabilizing of the male uh, uh, a distinct work of the enemy to tear down society by this means ladies beware um, men understand men learn to fight with spiritual weapons you men don't start getting up on some mas- masculine sort of high horse understand that there's a warfare going on that let the true tender courageous men of god stand forth even the church is not a, sa- a safe place for men nowadays you know, so many women taking over ministerial positions. The effeminizing of the male is going on apace. And the men, the barber's shops, the haircutting place, the vanity of the men. They don't know who they are. And here's the real men of God in the storehouse. And I... I wish I could say that in England, where I live, that I was having much success. I so long to call leaders together, but they won't come together to pray. I've even had it said to me about elders that they don't need to pray together. They just meet to discuss policy. And you think, what a load of nonsense. They need to get into the storehouse with God. They need to get into this inner room and wait on him and humble themselves and listen to his voice like he spoke to us on Wednesday. Tell my people to draw near. That's what he said then. I shall never forget it. And just a day in the presence of the Lord, a flow of his truth, you get anywhere near this the brothers are just drumming up another sermon so often and it's not coming from this storehouse of the inner quiet with god with silence in his presence the brokenness that attends it and here's you got five men who are down there before god and look at what he says, as they ministered to the Lord. They ministered to the Lord. They served him. They loved him. They presented themselves to him. I do feel a grief for you brothers who have no one where you can just be before God with two or three others. Who are just ready to worship him. Just be quiet before him. Just give him 40 minutes of time where you're quiet there. Oh Lord, we are here in your presence. We are here for you. We are your servants. We haven't got any highfalutin ideas. Oh, this would turn the church upside down men don't need more more time at uh, the bible seminaries they don't they need more of this this is where it comes from it comes from god in the secret place it comes from god I well remember, you know, I read my Bible faithfully when I was in industry, when God got hold of me. I never took lunch for several years in the, my business place, and I went behind a pile of logs, I may have told you before, whether it was winter or summer. And I sat there with my Bible and I read it and I read it and I read it and I didn't understand it. I don't think I got anything out of it, but I just sat there with God and read it and read it and read it. And then there came a time when the Lord granted to me a, a period of revelation. It was over the period of about two months when I was afforded opportunity to spend three or four or five hours a day alone and quiet with him, I was no longer working and I had opportunity and things began to f- come into my understanding. He opened the scriptures to me. It was like what happened to those men, that man and women as they walked on the Emmaus Road. Do you remember that scripture? You see, and the Lord wants to do these things for us, especially those of us who are going to be ministers of his word. You know, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, even to give uh, an hour on a Wednesday morning <clears throat> for those brothers means that they're fasting from something else. Not necessarily breakfast, but fasting from getting up and doing this and that and the other. For those with children, it means they're fasting. Their wives are having to cooperate, so the wives take care of the rising kids, you know. And the usual busy rigmaroles of busy households. They fasted, and as they did, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Spirit said, now, now, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Now, separate them to me. I love the scripture, don't you? Uh, I meet people who are harassed by the very mission that they are part of, as though they'd been separated to the mission. Whereas the Holy Ghost says, uh, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I've called them. And obviously there was a concurring in the other three. They recognized this this was indeed God. And uh, then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them. They sent them away. Praise God. Can we see uh, these things with clarity? Can we embrace them? Can anyone here do something? I wish I was having more success in England to try and get brothers together. One or two
1: have caught the flame. One or two have caught the flame. But not many. And I go back.
0: And I, I look back in the psalms and I see this 27th psalm again and I return to it. And as I read it down, I come to this where it says, uh, verse five, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion apparently those who seek the lord and are people of the inner place there's there's things from which they are hidden that other people fall foul of this might explain something to us you know that those who know the inner place seem to be not falling foul of the worries that grip others. You know, did you really get worried about COVID? I didn't. You see, did you really get harassed uh, uh, about some of the laws of the government that they were overstretching their mark? Well, there was no need to really. What else do you expect from fearful men and authoritarian leaders what else do you expect we mustn't expect anything except lies from liars you see these this is the sort of thing and we shouldn't be those so that we afraid uh, we are afraid in the wrong way we should be those who are freed up to be in that inner room. Say, Lord, your church in the midst of it. Purge your church. Strengthen your church. Draw your people unto us. Draw those young men to yourself. We shouldn't be arguing about vax and anti-vax until the till the cows come home, as they say in England. You know, we we should be realizing that this is not our chief battle. Our battle is in the heavenlies, in the spiritual, where there needs to be those who are men women of the spirit. In time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, it says, in the secret place of his tabernacle, there it is again the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me and then this sudden switch he
1: shall set me high upon a rock and now shall my
0: head be lifted up above my enemies all around me therefore i will have joy see you can see you know those i don't know whether you can see the sequence of truth in all this you're not harassed by what's going on around you he sets you high above you, the enemies and one of the marks is that there's a joy on your face and i will sing yes i will sing praises to the lord Hear, O oh Lord, when I cry with my voice. It's all intensely personal, isn't it? You know, we should be knowing something of this in our small but real way. Yes, he's and uh, it's it's lovely. When when you said, verse eight, seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, your face. I will seek. I heard you, you said, I heard you saying to me, Lord, you, I I heard you, Lord, saying, seek my face, seek my face. I expect you've heard that, haven't you? Seek my face. The theme for the conference this weekend here in Tralee is come and see it comes from john's gospel chapter one you know when there's two men you know young men think of them disciples of john baptist one of them's named peter he's about 30 years old probably at the most and his friend uh, a fellow fisherman named john and they temporarily left their nets. They'd been baptized by John the Baptist. Otherwise, they couldn't have been his disciples. And they'd heard the word. They'd heard the word of John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world, and then they'd heard it again. Behold, and John was probably about twenty-one or twenty-two years old. Can you imagine it? And they left John Baptist, and they started to go after Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and said to them, "What do you seek?" And here you've got the word here, don't haven't you, my heart? You said to me, seek my face, seek my face. That's what God says to us. Not seek justification, not seek what I do, but first seek me. Face in the Bible means the very person themselves, not what the person does can you see how evangelicalism sometimes missing misses the boat you know because we focus so much what was it that dear brother said to me in our recent trip in the united states he said to me i'm sorry bernard you can't preach on sunday morning they won't have you in the church i'm sorry and i said i'll go anyway we'll just go and sit and listen to what happens and he says it'll be just the same it'll be just the same as every week three songs and another lecture on justification by faith uh, imagine that sunday morning it'll, it's just three songs and another lecture on justification by faith this ought not to be this ought not to be my brethren. Justification by faith is a wonderful doctrine, but that's what it is. God is our savior, not believing the right things. God is our savior by it's he who justifies us. It is he who says you're forgiven, you're loved, you're forgiven. I've put it all. It's he who says it to you. It's he who says to you, I make you holy. I minister to you. I keep you fresh. Hallelujah. You know, and those two young men, what do you seek? Jesus said, and they said, where do you live? I want to know where you live and he said come and see and you know the lord keeps saying that to us doesn't he he's saying to us even tonight he's saying come and see where i live come on in come on in and if you want to know where do you abide you know that the word abide is one of the key words of john's gospel abide 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 where do you abide where do you remain where is your dwelling place blessed be the name of the lord and where does jesus live john's gospel chapter one the famous verse in the bosom of the father that's where jesus lived that's the first statement in john's gospel i'm going through some of the other statements but that's the first statement of where jesus lived in the bosom of the father it's so inward it's so personal and tell can you tell me what's the famous young man named john <laughs> who was in the bosom of jesus do you remember him the one it's lovely you see he's right there yes it is mystery yes it is mystic yes it is intuitive yes it is spiritual yes it is something more than the mental approach glory to god glory to god your face i will seek do i know that my heart has said to the lord through the years since i was a youngster i want to know you your face i will see your face and the lord says i want to see your face not your
1: piano playing bernard <laughs> which is lousy nowadays <laughs> you know
0: not that it was any good much anyway but <laughs> you know what i'm saying I, i'm not wanting you to be i'm not wanting you to be my servant on the platform and, and play in these crusades and this that and
1: the other i'm wanting your face i'm wanting you so personal come and follow me peter will you come Come on,
0: Peter, I love you. Come on, come on, let me lead you through all your muddles and confusions. Let me lead you out of your own enthusiasms into mine. <laughs> you know, because Peter was chock full of enthusiasm, wasn't he? Like some of us. And he had to leave him, lead him to the death of his enthusiasms. And he led him through into his heart. Come on, Peter. Uh, come and follow me. Yes, I'll make you. I'll make you. I'll make you someone who will be more than a fisher of men. You will be a lover of lambs. That's what I'll make you. I'll make you someone who will feed my little lambs and feed my flock. That's what I'll do. That's a transition from fishing men, another soul for Jesus. <laughs> you know, glory to God. Oh, don't you love him when you hear him speak like this? I do. Don't hide your face from me, Lord. Do not turn from your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Do not leave me. Forsake me. Don't do it, O oh, God of my salvation. When my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Teach me your way, O Lord. There's no way like his way. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think of that hymn. It just reminds me of... Uh, that church in alabama kingdom life i think it was and i sat there and i taught the people to sing the hymn i got them to type it out teach me thy way O oh lord i wonder if they still sing it teach me thy way thy gracious aid afford Teach me
1: thy way.
0: Oh, that's the prayer of real saints. That's the prayer of those getting personal with God. That's the prayer of those who are no stranger to the inner storeroom. But shut their door. Teach me thy way, O oh Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me uh, to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence, I, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living wait on the lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart wait i say on the lord do you notice where strengthening of your heart comes from these are not casual things. This is the personal heart of everything. If I was to switch you over ever so quickly, back in your Bible, into the famous psalm, the, the one that everybody loves, you must become personal about it. You must say it as David said it. You know, David didn't sit down and write a worship song for the church to sing in uh, seven, eight time or three, four or four, four, you know, with a strong back beat, we need another song like that. He didn't write a worship song. He wrote his testimony and
1: set it to music. The Lord is my shepherd. He just was giving his testimony. It was being utterly personal. And we get professional
0: songwriters and they spill out another song.
1: And we're all expect. David wasn't like that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a way to talk,
0: eh? I shall not want. How can I want if the Lord is my shepherd? He, he makes me to lie down. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He says to me, Bernard, slow down. Bernard, ease up. Perhaps he needs to say to
1: you, my brother, ease up on yourself some of us have got a shepherd's crook around our own neck and we're dragging
0: ourselves along i mean you've seen a shepherd's crook haven't you and you've seen the old sheep you know that he has to hook round the neck and pull back you see well some of us do god's shepherding for us for him you know, on ourselves, we are heavy on ourselves. Instead of, he wants to make you lie down. David knew what it meant to lie down in green pastures.
1: You know, green pastures, tremendous. He
0: leads me. You know, you all know it off by heart don't you he leads me beside waters of rest i tell you before he's got you into the presence of enemies he's got you by the waters of rest he's got it right he's got you into the waters of rest he knows how to handle us this is david's testimony he restores my soul you know i think i've said before somewhere recently the word shub in hebrew is the word to do with repent and this word restores is linked with the word shub to repent he causes my soul to be changed in a repentant way. He takes me off my high horse. He stops me thinking highly of
1: myself. He causes my soul to repent. He leads
0: me. By the paths that are right. For his name's sake. How glorious is that? You probably noticed in Ezekiel 36. When the Lord promises to give everybody a new heart. He says I'm not doing this for your sake. <laughs> I'm doing it for my sake. For my name's sake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's for him, for his name's sake, that he does it. Yea, and you go on through this psalm. You know it so well. It's all so utterly personal. He's giving his testimony. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies is the man mad is he culling an idea out of uh, someone else's writings or is he saying no this is what happened to me you did it father you did it he, even when i was in the valley of the shadow of death i found that i wasn't fearing you're with me. <laughs> Your rod and staff. You see, I'm musing with you tonight, aren't I? I'm wanting to encourage you all into this into this
1: kind of personal. Lord, here's my soul. Here's my soul. Here's my soul. Here I am. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over.
0: Surely goodness and mercy. You know, if, if we look at it from the other point of view. So I'll just finish with the other point of view. That is God being personal with you. All right? Because some psalms are like that. Where God is being personal with you here's one where he's being very personal with you psalm ninety one and uh, God says things you say some things he says some things verse fourteen psalm ninety one is what God says because he set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. Psalm 91, verse 14, here's God talking to you because you
1: set your love on me. Very personal. I will deliver you
0: from your enemies. I will set you on high. Because he has known my name. You've known the Lord's name. You say, well, isn't that amazing? You go back to the first verse of Psalm 91. It says, he who dwells, would you be surprised? In the secret place of the
1: Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty.
0: You know, I looked at uh, a whole bunch of commentaries about this verse and all of them said this business about the, the shadow, the wings and the dwelling in the secret place. It, it was all about, um, you know, the wings lifted me up and so on and so on. We're all about um, eagle's wings. I, I don't think it's that at all. I think he's talking about the blessedness of going into that inner room. You know, do you remember where the cherubim were and the wings and the mercy seat and just being there with God?
1: Do you know, it's tremendous. Tremendous. He who dwells there,
0: not has a visit now and again but dwells there in the secret place of the most high, shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I'm sure many of you have read Elizabeth Elliot's book, the shadow of the almighty. If ever there was a lady who lived under the shadow in the secret place, it's in her voice, i guess her program is still going where you can hear her hallelujah i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him uh, i will trust and then here's the testimony coming th- through with those who dwell in the secret place surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowl, and from the perilous pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. I still can't get away from those angelic feathers, I can't get away from that angelic idea of the cherubim, the care. He shall cover you, cover you, cover you, cover you. You dwell there, can't get away, you shall take refuge and his truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night,
1: nor for the arrow that flies by day,
0: nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday have you ever heard of the noonday demon ever heard of the noonday demon Asadia, that heavy weighted feeling that you get in hot climates in the middle of the day you know, and a spiritual equivalent, you know, the old monks used to fear this noonday demon. That they would go into a kind of sleep mode and die away. You shall not be afraid. A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. And it shall not come near you does it do you good just to have the scriptures read like this does it do you good does me good to read them i keep encouraging husbands and wives to pray together but more than that i encourage them husbands read a section of the scripture every day with your wife you let your ears hear your voice Read the scripture and don't rush it. And then pray, husbands pray. Just pray for your children, pray for your wife, pray for your grandchildren. Just pray, get into the habit. It needn't take longer than 10 minutes in your busy day, but I'll tell you, it will do you good you men to hear your voice reading <laughs> uh, and your ears hearing you reading this blessed book. Go systematically. Start with Gospel of Matthew and just go through it. Go in through the New Testament. Don't start with Leviticus or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> i tell you it makes me laugh sometimes you know that i always find that people in about february have got a bit sort of hooked on them you know they've given up their new year's revolu- resolution of reading through the bible this year because they made the mistake of starting in genesis and by about february they've arrived at leviticus <laughs> and it's blown their brains out you know I tell you, try and make sure you read both testaments at once, will you? Just uh, two from the old and one from the new. will probably roughly cover the Bible in a year. <clears throat> and just read. Hallelujah. Read the scripture. It's Wonderful. Oh, I love verse 9 of this psalm because you've made the lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you i wonder who's testifying that to us i reckon it's jesus don't you saying to us because you've made the lord that's yahweh that's my father who is my refuge the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. Jesus is always there. The Spirit is always there to encourage us, you see. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Do you know that verse is particularly real to, to, to me and to my wife? You know, we were in Minnesota one time and I've changed my behavior since this. We were flying back to our home in Canada and, uh, you know, <coughs> I had had early morning breakfast with a brother. I wanted to see him. He was just out of prison and I wanted to see him. And so it was all a bit of a rush and we got uh, all into Toronto Airport. And uh, we used to have to, in those days, get a little bus to get to the long-term parking lot where we'd left the car. And <clears throat> we had all these bags. I don't know what we were carrying. And suddenly we got to the car and I found the most important bag of all was gone. It wasn't there. And I said, oh, Lord, it's got all four of our passports in it it's got money in it it's got this in it it's got all the this and that and the other and the other in it oh dear lord and it's gone so we rushed back to the airport and uh um we saw the airport police and they said yeah there's a gang moving around at the moment in toronto airport in pearson and so it's probably gone, but we'll take a note of it, so, with great sadness in my heart, I was driving back to our apartment and thinking, "Oh Lord, I've got to cancel this! I've got a temporary passport australian passports and And I was thinking about this and that and the other, oh Lord, oh Lord, Mr. Sadness himself, and uh you know. <laughs> We got home and I put the push the button you know on the phone for all the messages and there was this message, the first message, or was it the last? I can't remember. I'm feeling more and more miserable. And I am a limousine driver. I have found your bag. Uh, I have opened it up. I have found your phone number. Uh, what do you want me to do? And uh, will you come and get it? I said, how much to, uh, how much to drop it out to where we're living? And uh, he said, oh, about 60 Canadian. I said, I'll give you 100 American. Come on, bring it. <laughs> and uh, so he drove it out. And then my wife said this to me. Do you know this morning... God gave me the verse. He shall give his angels charge over you.
1: So I knew it was going to be all right. That's what she said to me. The Lord had given her this verse.
0: In the morning, he shall give his angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Isn't that remarkable? You shall tread on the cobra, the young lion as well, and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Yes, you shall know the victory. See, this is Jesus assuring us, and then His the Lord speaking, because he has set his love upon me therefore i will deliver him i will set him on high because he has known my name he shall call upon me and i will answer him i will be with him in trouble this is god talking to you personally personally you've talked to him personally now he's talking to you personally jesus has talked to you and assured you He's in God saying, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Shall I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Let's be much more personal with God that he may be personal with us. Let's be people of the inner room more than we have been. Let's wait on him more than we have done. I said to a lady tonight, she said to me, after the meeting in the melee or after meetings, it's difficult with the noise and things going on and trying to meet everybody that I can. And she said to me, I, I knew you 40 years ago. And I said, did you really? And I said, uh, and she said, yes, I'm a Facebook friend as well. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I know your name, but uh, anyway, we talked and she told me about her life and where she's at at the moment, still loving the Lord, walking with the Lord in difficult circumstances. and sh- She needs serious surgery and the system is delayed everything is waiting and she's having pain and she said i came to the meeting tonight and i was in pain and i came to the meeting yesterday and i was in pain and so on and so on i do wish that i could have my surgery but it's delayed and everything's waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, as we talked i said to her have you heard the word perichoresis and she said, no, I haven't heard that word. And I said, it's a, a Greek word. It, it, it's to do with just being in step in dancing, being in step. And she said, uh, well, I said to her, maybe you're a little bit out of step with the Lord, he wants to dance with you about this. So don't be impatient, even in your pain. And I tried to encourage her. I said, I used to do some ballroom dancing many, many years ago. And you know, the lady has to let the man lead. So put your hands in the Lord in the lord's hands and let him conduct you in his dance of circumstances just let him if it's a quick step then it, he'll he'll make it quick if it's a slow waltz then just go that way you know but i sought to encourage her and she says that's the word of the lord to me she said you've given me the word of the lord i know that's right i've been getting annoyed with god and impatient with god because he isn't doing it quick enough for me i said just put your hands you know you know how the lady puts herself in the dance and the hand amen and so she begins to twirl <laughs> as if he knows what he's doing but uh, <laughs> it's, it's lovely. These are, the, these are the ways of the Lord, aren't they? To dance with God personally. Well, there you are. I've spoken to you for an hour and 15, 18 minutes, I think so. But I hope it's amusing word, a thoughtful word precious word glory to his name thank you richard i'll quit there